mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be beginning in verse 13 this morning. Uh, by way of review, if you will be reminded with me, last week we began to talk about our behavior in the body of Christ. If Jesus is our Savior, and He gave us an example, and He did. Now listen, His example, His actions do not save us. His blood on the cross saved us because He lived a perfect life with His actions, okay? That's what saves us, the blood. But His example is what we are to follow because obedience to God the Father and to the law or to everything is the most important thing. However, when Christianity, we seem to get saved, and then we don't care about obedience anymore. See, if obedience is not the chief thing, then why did Christ have to perfectly obey in order to be spotless and clean and give his life? See, he took away the penalty of sin with his blood. He took away the power of sin with his blood. And he set us free to learn to follow and obey the commandments of God. And it's very important to understand this because our behavior becomes our witness to other people that there's a living and true God. See, if there's nothing different in your life after you meet God, then there's a problem because God is altogether different than us. His ways are altogether higher. And he was perfect when he was on the planet as his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants us to have a heart that wants to do the same thing. So in chapter 1, we talk about the precious blood of Jesus redeeming us. In chapter 2, Peter moves on to who we are positionally, living stones, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And Jesus is the cornerstone, which is our example, and he's the capstone. He's the head. He's the one that's head over everything. See, there has to be somebody in authority. There has to be authority because God's a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. So when you have confusion, the devil is afoot. And it's because of the rebellion of man's heart. Because we're not, we don't have clear word of God. Now think about this for a minute. We call it in our society today moral relativism. In other words, everybody can be right. Whatever you feel good about, you can do. That's just simply not true. See, you and I both can be wrong. We can have an opinion and both be wrong, but both of us can't be right. Because there is a real truth. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And either he was God and he was telling the truth, or he's a liar and we shouldn't follow him. He's either, he's either God or he's a lunatic and we shouldn't follow him. Listen to me. There is one specific truth. 
There is always one specific right. But the world doesn't want you to believe that because the more you have all these other opinions about what's right, the line gets real ugly. And you can't tell, well, what is right? What is wrong? What should we be doing? How should we be living? And then we see that sin is a reproach to any people. So the whole nation is being judged right now because we are ignoring God's word. But you got to understand this. Listen to me. This, this nation, this nation did this to themselves. See, I heard a preacher teaching the other day and said, well, God gave us our freedoms. He's not going to take them away. That's a life in the pit of hell. See, that preacher forgot that the word of God was spiritual. God gave us spiritual freedom and liberty in Christ. He set us free positionally, and he's not going to take that away. No one can snatch you out of God's hands. But look what he did in the Bible to his own people. And we say that that way. Listen to me. God didn't do it to them. They reaped what they sowed. And this nation is reaping what it sowed. If you walk away from truth, if you walk away from clear, present truth in morality, and then your nation falls apart, you did it to yourself. God just allowed it. It's a natural law in there. If you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Whatever a man sows, when you go out to the garden, everybody's planting. We're going to talk about this again. You plant some beans, what do you get? Beans. You plant corn. Corn grows up. I mean, I know there's some weeds in there. There's some problems that go on. Sometimes the corn's better than other times. But when you plant the word of God and true morality based upon what God says, you're going to have a righteous nation that's following that. And there will always be some weeds. There will always be some people that are not doing it. But when your entire leadership in that world, in that country, begins to plant lies, gets away from God's truth, See, you used to have to be a Christian and an elder in your church to be in public office in this nation. In fact, each, each state had their own, um, what the, we will call, religion. Whatever that governor was when he would come in, that would become the religion of that state. Now, you didn't have to practice that religion, but it just became like our state bird, our, you know, how we got things like that. It just became the state religion. It was just a normal thing. But we've changed all that. We've went away from all that. We've kicked God out of our lives. But we still have this form of godliness where we say, I believe in God. Really, what do we believe about him? Oh, he lets me do whatever I want. Really? No, he gave his son's precious blood so that we would know how to obey and what obedience looks like. It's not just that you can do anything you want. There is a specific mark. In fact, this, the word sin means to miss the mark. There's this target, and it's Jesus. It's perfection. And, and we pull back the arrow, and we shoot it, and it falls short as it gets close to that target because there's nothing in us that can hit that target. Jesus comes. God shoots his arrow, the Bible tells us. He shot his arrow, and it hit that target every single time. He hit the perfect mark. It's an archery term. It really is. It's pretty amazing when you start to look at it. And Jesus hit it perfectly. And he gives us this example. But when we come to salvation, most of the church, not saying everybody, it's probably people in Texas, they think that now it's okay to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. But when you come to God, you're coming to truth. He said, I am the way. There's only one way. He's not a way. He is the only way. There's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus. 
No other name. He's the truth. There's no other truth. If it doesn't line up with his word, then it's actually a lie. And he's the life. There's life in nothing else. There's only life in the blood. Right now your body has blood. You have life physically. If you have the blood of Jesus, you have life spiritually. There's no other way to have life. And now we become spiritual people involved in an angelic conflict where a third of the angels have followed Satan. They were deceived by Satan into following him. Listen to me. They disobeyed God. That's what they convinced Eve to do in the garden was disobey the word of God. His clear instruction, all the trees of the garden you can freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you do, you will die. Now, did she die that day? No, but she spiritually died, and that's what it's all about. We're spirits in a body, an earthly tent, and one day we're going to be spirits standing before the throne room of God, being judged for what we did in the body. And the only way to escape that judgment is the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. Because he was the Lamb of God, because he was perfect, because his blood was received, God allowed him to get up out of the grave. The grave couldn't hold him. He would not see corruption because he was perfect. And the wages of sin, again, is death. He is life. He's life incarnate. He is the very life. That's why we want to have a relationship with him. So what Paul begins to do is tell us who we are. Who we are in Christ. Not who we think we are. Not who we are emotionally. But who we are in Christ positionally because he owns us. You know, and I've said this many times. You can go out tonight, and I pray you don't. But if you wish to go out tonight and go gambling at a gambling casino, and, and you were hitting it, and you were making a whole bunch of money, that money's pretty We call it dirty money. We call it evil money, maybe. You, you, you say that it's bad money because of where it comes from. But if you donate it to a church, now it's holy. That's pretty weird, isn't it? See, God owns nothing that's not holy. Everything because of the blood of Jesus that God has is holy. As soon as you give it to God, it becomes holy instantly because he cleanses it because he's holy. And it's the same thing with you and me. Just like in the temple in the Old Testament, there was a temple made and then all of these implements were made. Gold cups, silverware, utensils, plates, big, big shields on the wall. Everything that was in there was there, consecrated, set apart, made specifically to serve God. Now, you and I become those pieces, those implements. We're the utensils that God has sent out to be a witness, to give a testimony. And so we're holy now because he's holy because we belong to him because we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. That's who we are. I don't feel like that most of the time. I'm like, goodness gracious, where did that thought come from? Why would I say that? How did I do that? You know, but... I'm still holy because Christ is holy. And I no longer am going to get punished for thinking that. I'm no longer going to get to have, let that have power in my life because Jesus took that from me. So now my place as an ambassador, did I say ambassador yet? See, we're ambassadors. We represent heaven. If you have been bought with the blood of Jesus, everything that you do right now, you're representing Jesus. When people see you, you are actually going, this is what Jesus looked like. This is what Jesus acted like. Listen, that will tune you up real fast. You're like, oh, my goodness. Jesus would have never said that. Oh, my goodness. Jesus would have never desired that. Oh, my goodness. I represent Jesus. Just like if we sent an ambassador to Egypt 
and we have an embassy over there, and the people see that guy every day, and if he's running around doing what he wants, I don't know if you guys know it, but ambassadors in America that come from other countries, they don't have to follow the laws here. They don't have to follow the speeding laws. You know what? Well, you know what happens if they get like if, if they murder somebody. Guess what happens? They send them home because they represent a foreign country. I'm serious. You guys don't. You might not know this stuff. They can do about what they want because they are not under our laws. Are you guys getting this yet? See, we're ambassadors from heaven. We're not under the laws down here. These laws do not hold us. This is not my home. I'm under the heavenly laws, which is way above anything man can make up down here. I'm being led by the law of love, the perfect law of liberty. However, as a witness, as an ambassador, as one who represents Christ and is following his example, I want to obey everything down here so that they see the goodness of God. So that they see that God's people are not just a bunch of rebellious people that do whatever they want because they're set free from the penalty and the power of sin. So I do that as my example. Think about it. No matter where you're at, you know, we were talking about this one day, my brother Jamie, and nobody had to teach me this. As a leader, when I sit underneath another teacher, you know what I do? I may never be planning to write down any of his words that he's saying, but I open my Bible up and I get out my pen because I want the sheep to do that. I want the people that are listening to understand that you're there to learn. So as an example, I get my pen out. And I get my Bible open, and I begin to do what I know is right because that person is there to teach me and instruct me. So I want people to see me doing that. I may never write nothing down. Now, I'm, I'm just giving you a little insight of who I am. But when I was younger, look in my Bible. I had notes everywhere because I was desiring the Word of God. I was wanting to learn because I knew how much of a lawbreaker and a sinner I was. And I wanted to understand everything I could about the kingdom of God so I would be a better witness to other people. So listen, this is what he's talking about here. Is our witness, our behavior, our conversation. He told us last week that we're supposed to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Why? Because we're in a war. There's a devil out there. There's an adversary that wants to rob, kill, and destroy you. He wants to take you to hell with him. And hell was never created for flesh and blood. It was created for fallen angels. Just like salvation was never created for fallen angels. They've already been in God's presence. Salvation, deliverance from that sin nature, was only designed for flesh and blood. Who has never been in the presence of God. See, but the angels and the devil, they were in the presence of God. And they still rejected him. And now they've come down to try to take as many people as they can with them. And how are they doing it? By teaching us to disobey God. Teaching us that we can just do anything we want. But when you come to salvation and your life is turned right side up and you have spiritual eyes to see that there's a war going on. Now listen, if you can't see it, maybe you're not looking at it right. Sometimes we call it poverty. See, the world renames everything. They take God's stuff and they call it something else so that now you're looking over here in the physical, but we're spiritual. We're supposed to be looking over here. They call it poverty. They call it drug neighborhoods. They call it depravity. They call it uh, uh, mental illness and bipolarism, all kinds of things. But really, it is sin. 
Really, the reason a neighborhood would look like it's poverty is because all of them gather together. And then, and then somebody puts a bar right in the middle of that area. Listen, they already desired it because they don't know Jesus. But then you promote it. Then you send a whole bunch of drugs like, like some heroin from Russia. And they all start dying and you don't care. And then you go, oh, we got a drug problem, we got a drug problem. No, you started the drug problem. And then you want to send a bunch of money after it and act like you're fixing it when you're really promoting it. Listen to me. This is serious stuff. You cannot fix a fire that's burning down the house by pouring gasoline on it. Everybody know that? In fact, firemen will teach you that there's different elements that you need to use for different types of fire. So even in the spiritual realm, when your spiritual house is on fire, there's different things you might need to do. But you can't pour more gasoline. You can't take the word of the devil. 1 John 5, 19, my life verse. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness, underneath the sway of the wicked one. See, he trains all the physical. And then you begin to believe what the world is saying, which leaves God out. It leaves God out. But as his ambassadors, we're here to go, wait a minute. That's not the problem over there. The problem over there is they need the blood of Jesus. The problem over there is they don't know Jesus. Because you can know Jesus and live in the middle of a crack house. And you don't have to take the crack. Want to talk about it? That's what we're supposed to be doing as ambassadors. We know Jesus. We're not supposed to be witnessing and doing what everybody else is doing. In the middle of this crack-filled world, in the middle of this crazy world that's on fire, we're okay because Jesus is with us. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and the king goes, didn't we throw three people in there? It's so king. That's veggie tales, sorry. Uh, <laughs> which are not real good anyway. So Visser's even went nuts now, so. Uh, but he goes, there's one in there that looks like the Son of God. See, if, has anybody ever said that your life looks like you've got the Son of God with you? Think about it. Think about it. Because our lives are supposed to. Jesus is with us. He now lives in our hearts. And our actions should be different. They should be honorable among the Gentiles. We should learn to be able to do what we do because of our identity in Christ. Because we're holy. We're a royal priesthood. We're God's own special people. We're chosen by God for salvation. Now we should act differently. And we should not respond to just the cultural physical problems the same way that everybody else is responding if we know jesus we want to respond with the truth of the word of god see the problem is though the devil's out there in this war saying god didn't say that that's what he said to eve did god really say that let's question the word of god let's see if the word of god holds up listen you cannot find one error in the word of God. You can't find one mistake. You're not, you're not going to live for the word of God and it not come true and it not take care of you. The problem is, is the devil, he deceives us into thinking that God's going to make life perfectly happy with no suffering and no death. In the physical, that doesn't happen. In the spiritual, that's true. But we're right now spirits in a body for 70, 80 years and then we're going to go to heaven or hell. 
for eternity because we're all eternal. Sorry, the heat is burning me up, so it's going down while I'm on line. So look at this for a minute. The point is not religiosity. The point is not doing something. The point is obeying someone in a personal love relationship. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 22. Is that right? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. I don't know if you remember this, but this was King Saul, the first king. God gave them a king after their own hearts. That's what you have in, in Washington every year. No matter who voted in, whether it's Democrat or Republican, they're all the same. They're all earthly government that can never be perfect because they're not underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. See, they're physical. But people that come to Jesus, they become spiritual, and they end up being ambassadors. Now, can there be some people in the White House, White House that are physical? Yes, everybody say yes, and they start programs that help in poverty areas, but then it's taken over by somebody who's purely physical and exploited for their gain. See, God can be in places, but he also allows man to remove him from places because he's a gentleman. He's never going to force himself. Think about it. If he forced himself, you and I would be robots in heaven worshiping God because he made us. He's capable of doing that. He wants us to choose to come to him. And follow him and love him. Remember the children of Israel did that. When he led them out of Egypt. Out of the bondage of slavery. Egypt is a type of the world to us. Pharaoh is a type of Satan to us. Am I off camera? I just wonder. You keep looking at me real funny like I'm off camera. You can hear my voice but you can't see me. So he leads them out. Right? They come out of Egypt, and then he takes Egypt out of them. And it's the same thing with you and me. He leads us out of the world. He makes it spiritual people that's following a spiritual God. We're living for his truth. And as he does that, he begins to take the world out of us, the behavior of the world out of us. It's called sanctification. Same thing that happens when you take the gambling money and you give it to God. It's now holy, and it begins to be used by God, for God, for his glory. Are you there about the obedience? Look at this. So King Saul had messed up. He thought he could just about do anything he wanted. He thought he could use his kingship. See, you and I become kings, uh, priests and kings for our God is what the Bible says. We become a royal priesthood. And Saul thought, I could do anything now because I'm king. Because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So Samuel, who was the prophet of God, was late. He didn't show up in time, and they're getting ready to go to battle. So Saul said, you know what? I'll just make the sacrifice. I'll just go kill the animal, and we'll do everything that the priest normally does. Not good. Not good. God, because he, he was being disobedient. He was called to be a king, not to be a prophet. And there's different things that we're called to be in the kingdom of God. All of us are called to do something different. So, but God gave him a second chance. God gave him grace. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you another chance, Saul, to obey what you've been called to do and not do what somebody else has been called to do. He says, go kill all the Amalekites, all of them. Because, you know, there is a time always, always that God is perfect love, but he's perfect justice. And without that justice, he can't really be love. They have to balance each other. Just because he said he's, think about this, if he said, I'm going to judge all one day, and then he doesn't judge. Is that really a true God? 
Is that really love? Because so many people have done things that are wrong. And if they're not covered with the blood of Jesus, which is the judgment upon all sin, and all you have to do is believe that. But Saul, he says, you got another chance. Go kill all the Amalekites. It's an amazing, it's an amazing uh, teaching if you go through it. Because he lets the Kenites go free because they were friendly to the Israelites when they came through. But the Amalekites, see, they're a type of Satan. The Amalekites were, were, were uh, really evil and mean and nasty, and they looked for the stragglers in the, in, the, in, the, in the tribes of Israel as they were going through the wilderness, and they would sneak up on them and kill all the people on the edges, all the weak, and the people that are supposed to be protected, they were killing them. And so he said, I'm, we'll have war with Amalek all of our lives. And he told Saul to go down and do this. You know what Saul did? Saul goes down and kills a bunch of them. But then he brings back all the gold, all the silver, all the sheep. He brings back all this stuff. And Samuel comes to him in this chapter and says, dude, what are you doing? I'm paraphrasing. This is the street language. Dude, what are you doing? You're supposed to kill them all. He said, oh, it's that woman you gave me. It's the people that did it. See, he wouldn't take, he wouldn't take blame for his own sin. And that's the number one thing in Christianity. You have to say, wait a minute, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. There's no way to have the blood of Jesus covering your life and have life in Christ unless you admit you're a sinner. And then you want to turn from it. Metanoia. It means to change your mind afterwards. Once you realize you're a sinner and you're wrong and there's no way you can be right with God, you have to repent. And you don't just turn from your sin, but you turn to the living God who can teach you how to obey. Of course, Saul had his second chance. And what did he do? He still wanted to do it his own. When, when Samuel comes to him to rebuke him, well, you mean that a prophet can rebuke a king? You better bet he can. The word of God will rebuke anybody on the planet. And that's what a prophet did. He brought the word of God. He had just built him a statue over in Gilgal for himself. Because he wanted to be important instead of God. And this is all about God. This is not about you. See, that's why we have the education system out there of psychology that tells you it's all about you. That's what God's trying to kill. It's not about me. It's about God. This is not about me. This is about Jesus. This is not about you. This is about the blood of Jesus. This is not about you. This is about salvation of souls. But our flesh wants it to be all about me. In fact, a lot of times when, when someone's preaching, I'll go, he's talking about me. That's a good thing if I repent. If I don't repent and he's talking about me, that's a bad thing because I'm rejecting the Word of God. See, when the Word of God tells me that there's nothing good that dwells in my flesh and I don't want to build up my flesh, I want to be built up in the Spirit because I'm a spiritual person, then I have to submit to that. I want to learn to obey the Spirit and walk in the Spirit so I don't act like the flesh because I'm an ambassador. I'm a witness for God. And I can't witness what God is like in heaven when I've never been there. But I can let His Spirit train me on the inside so that it comes out in my daily walk. I hope that was clear. So look what happens. Look what happened. He gives him this lie. He blames it on somebody else, just like Adam and Eve did. What did Adam say? It was that woman you gave me. What did Eve say? It was the devil that made me do it. Really, it was their choice. Once you know truth, it's your choice. There's no deception except self-deception. Once you've been confronted with the truth, now you have a choice to make. Am I going to repent or am I going to continue to walk in a lie because it feels good? It's that simple. There's no other 
but we've all been set free. Listen, if you believe in Jesus Christ and his atoning death, he made you at one moment with God. It's an atonement, at one moment with God. When you believe that, you become spiritual. Your eyes are open. You can now see the death culture that's going on. You have to choose to learn to obey. Now, Saul told him, oh, we didn't do nothing. He said, what's the bleeding of the sheep? I can see in your life that there's a bunch of lambs walking behind you. You've got a bunch of stuff following you around. But look in 22, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22, he says, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in your works? Listen, see, he had told him to burn the animals. It was a covering. To make sacrifices, you should go to church to get equipped. Look what he says. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, as in obeying the word of God. See, the direction we're going is we need to learn to turn our hearts toward home to repent and learn to obey and honor the word of God. Learn to obey it because we're witnesses, we're ambassadors, we're representing the kingdom of heaven down here. Look what he goes on to say. For rebellion, oh, I just think that way, I'm just a little bit rebellious. Listen, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, sorcery. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Now, he tried to repent. He said, Samuel, pray for me that that would not happen. And he tried to grab Samuel's clothes, and he tore the edge of his robe. And Samuel, you know what he did? Because King Agag was there, the king of the Amalekites. Samuel took a sword and cut him up into little bitty pieces and killed him. And that's what you and I are supposed to be doing to the flesh. To anything that dwells in the flesh, we're supposed to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and cut it up so that it cannot control us. Because we're learning to not just have a position in the obedience of Christ, but we're learning in our sanctification what the will of the Lord is and how to obey Him. See, but most people will play religion. They will do the burnt offerings. They will do the sacrifices. They will give their money. They'll do these things that look like they're serving God, but they have this rebellion in their heart. They still have this rebellion toward other people. They still have this rebellion where they get to pick and choose what they're going to do and follow, and they let the rebellion stay in their heart. And that's what we're getting ready to go into in our text in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. That's what we're going to learn about right now. Not only positionally are you holy, practically you should be abstaining from what your flesh wants to do and learning to walk in the Spirit, but you also have to learn to <gasps> submit. This is a horrible word because we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. It's hypotasso. Let me just read to you. It's... Um, 1 Peter 2.13. People are watching you. Yes, it, 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 yes, there's good works. He said that in verse uh, 11. Excuse me, I'm sorry, 12. 
They're observing your good works. They're observing that you go to church. They're observing that you do certain things. Then he says, and now I'm in the New King James, and it says, therefore. The King James does not say that. There's no therefore so that you have to look back. He's in the same context. He's talking about our conduct, our behavior, our conversation, how spiritual people act because of their position in Christ. They begin to do these other things. And he just says simply, submit, or King James, subject yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Why are we doing it? Because of the Lord. Whether the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? Submit yourself. Subject yourself. That by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free We're free from all the laws, yet not using freedom or liberty as a cloak for vice, maliciousness, King James, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Let's pray and we'll see what that means. Father, much confusion the devil has sown in your field, the church. And we ask that you would silence all the physical voices and help us to hear your word. Teach us to obey your word. And we know that in our flesh we cannot obey you. But in the spirit, as we ask for your power and your truth, and we are being led by you, we can obey you perfectly just like Jesus did. Give us a desire to follow you and to be the ambassadors that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look, again, subject, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Comma, we'll stop there just for a second, 13a. Listen, um, before I do too much, the word ordinance there, I believe, is a terrible translation. It's only translated that way one time in the entire Bible. The Young's literal translation, you've probably never heard of it, but Young uh, literally translates it, uh, either human institutions or creation. And the word actually means original creation. It's the original creation, like when God spoke and created the heavens and the earth, This is what this word means. But most of the time, it's always, the predominant times in the Bible, it's just creation or the creature. And I believe this actually says, subject yourself or submit yourself to all creatures. Everybody. See, because the problem is here. Listen to me. And then he goes on to say who they are. Whether it is the king supreme or somebody that he sends to either punish you for bad or to reward you for good. Because that's the normal reason why we have rulers and laws is because people are rewarded for doing good. You get like an accommodation, but you're also punished and arrested and thrown in prison if you do bad. See, so it doesn't make sense if he's telling you to obey the ordinances when the next thing he says is he gives you a list of who those people might look like. So here's my point. What is God trying to do in our hearts? 
He wants us to stop, be rebellious to authority. Because isn't that original sin? God said, and your heart wanted to rebel against it. Well, where did that come from? Come from the devil. He rebelled against God's authority in heaven. This is sin. See, there's no wisdom or counsel against God's authority. There's, and everybody's under authority, whether you want to be under authority or not. You can be loyalist. That's, that's called transgression, by the way. I don't know if you know the word in the Bible. Trans means no. That's what it means. So if you're a transgressor of the law, it means you have no law. So the text is really saying, here it is, because we're at war, right? Therefore, not there. Now, why would I tell you this stuff? Listen, I want to just do a little sidebar. Why am I saying certain words are not there and certain things are not there? Because the attack is on what God said. So man takes it, and there's actual copyright laws that you cannot print a Bible unless you change so many words in the Bible because somebody else has got a copyright on it. So you have to change so many hundred words all throughout the Bible, or you can't even publish another one. So man has made up some ordinances, some laws, some rules to mess up what God really said. Because why? The whole world's underneath the sway of the wicked one. And they, the wicked one does not want you to know what God said. So therefore, you can come to him and be saved and go to heaven just by believing in the blood. But he wants you to do more. He wants you to be an ambassador. He wants you to be a witness. He wants you to talk to people with knowledge of who he is and what he's doing and what he's done. So therefore, you have to dig deeper. It's like, oh, there's a gold mine. I own a gold mine. Well, if you don't get a shovel, get your butt in there and get some of the gold out, you ain't ever going to spend no money. Doesn't matter what you think you got. And that's what the devil wants you to do. Oh, I'm positionally a royal priesthood. Well, then why don't you get a shovel and start digging and find out what that means and go out and tell others if it's such a gold mine. No, I just wanted the fire insurance. I just didn't want to go to hell. Never mind. I'm done. I'm going to go live any way I want. That's not biblical. That's rebellion. It's like witchcraft. You have to find out what the will of the Lord is and then walk circumspectly in it. And you can't do that. That's why Jesus did it perfectly for you. But it's still the goal to hit the mark. The reason God gave up the precious blood of his son was so that we would desire to hit the mark on our own so that he didn't have to have robots. And if we just desire it and move toward it, He'll draw near to us and create in us a new heart. Or what the Bible calls in Romans 12 too, transform. Again, no form like flesh, but now we're becoming conformed to the nature of the living God. So that we'll be one mind with him in salvation of souls so others can wake up and do the same thing. So let me tell you what this is, the word subject, the word submit. It is hypotasso. Hypotasso. It's a military term. This is why it's so important. If you are in the military and you don't know what rank you are, you're going to get in trouble. That's why you need to know who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. What's my position? What am I called to do? Should I be sounding the alarm? Think about it in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. You know what they did? Counted everybody. That's why it's called Numbers. They counted all the tribes. They had an inventory of every person. And then they gave everybody a job to do, a good work to do. 
And if you show up at the next camp and the guy who's got the tent stakes doesn't show up and he's like, I ain't doing it no more. Old boy spoke to me real rude and I just ain't going no more. And now you got all the tents here, you got everything there, you got the tabernacle, and you got no stakes. Because old boy's mad all the way down the road. He's like at the last camp. Instead of doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's throwing a fit like some little girl. Sorry, not being mean to girls. They're supposed to act like girls. But he's not. He's a man. He's supposed to be carrying the tent pegs. But see, we've made up some new religion. All of us are called to be the body of Christ, living stones. That's what Peter called us last chapter. And we're doing something to make sure everybody sees that there's a living God. Why don't they see it? Because we're doing something different than going out and being concerned about what ranking we are in the military. Guess what? The head of everything is God. He said, and that's where the marching orders come from. He's got the battle plan. He sees everything, the spiritual realm. Come on Friday night, we're going to get to that. That's what, that's what happens in, in chapter 6 of 2 Kings. When the whole Syrian army comes down upon Elisha. And his, his servant's going, oh no, what are we going to do? And he goes, Lord, would you open his eyes so he can see the soldiers that are with us? And he opens the servant's eyes and he's like, oh my goodness, look all around us in the mountains. The army of the living God is right here with us and he's here now. The armies of the living God in the spiritual realm are here right now. And if God be for you, who in the world could be against you? This is the truth of the Bible. Yet people walk around scared to death in fear because they're looking at the physical. And they don't want to know about the spiritual, but they go, I'm going to heaven. Are you sure? I think you're following some false system that doesn't understand the power of God. That the God who spoke his word and created the heavens and the earth is spoke into your heart. And you're supposed to be set free. See, I love this stuff. You go search in the Bible. And what happens when Jacob comes down to Egypt and Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, sitting there. And he thinks he's in control. But you know who blessed him? Jacob blessed him. Because Jacob knew that he was the son of God. And Jacob blessed him. Wait a minute. He should be getting the blessing from the guy that owns everything on the land, right? No. It's not about getting stuff. It's about obeying God. And Jacob was told to come from uh, his land and come down to Egypt where God would save him. And he did. So as he's obeying God, he can bless others. When you're not obeying God, you can't bless others. You can't do nothing but hand them a curse. So when you learn spiritual truth and you repent and you begin to obey it, then you can show others what an ambassador looks like, what a witness of Christ looks like, what power looks like. And it's got nothing to do with anything that's going on in this world. It's got to do with what's going on in the spiritual realm. Because that's where it's going to be ending up at. This is just a period of a small period of 6,000 years. Why is that important? 6,000 years. The Jewish calendar, it's year 5977. And we're going to be here 6,000 years. Those 6,000 years is a chance to either look forward and trust God, or now we look back at the cross. I know you've been told something different, but you're looking at the physical information instead of the biblical information. The biblical information outlines everything from Adam all the way to Jesus and tells us how many years we've been here perfectly. 
I know, and if you're an intellect, you might go, yeah, but weren't those just dynasties and wasn't there a bunch of... No, there wasn't anything in the middle. He's not God if he can't get us a book that tells us the line of what's going on. He's just not worth me worse. I'll, I'll just go live like an evil heathen. If he cannot give me the truth, if he cannot protect his own word, if he cannot keep the message clear enough for me to understand it, then I'm just going to go live like a heathen and eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow I'm going to die because he ain't God either. Somebody kept him from doing it. See, the very word God should be enough. The very word Lord, which is supreme in authority, should be enough for us, shouldn't it? That means that he knows what he's doing. Even when man tries to mess it up, I often say it's like Silas walking around the farm. My grandson, he's six. We go around the farm to fix something, and he's helping me. That's how it is when I'm helping God. See, I'm perfectly capable, put me in the place of God, of doing all of this. But I am training and discipling and teaching and having a relationship with my grandson. And I'm showing him the things that I know so he can grow up learning them. And that's what God is. He's perfectly capable. Jesus said, I could have called down legions of angels, Peter. Put the sword away. One sword isn't going to win this battle. Your mind is still on the physical and I'm winning the spiritual. I came to die on a cross. That's what I'm here for. Peter, you're, you're so twisted, you're trying to stop me from going to the cross. And see, that's what Christians do. We believe the physical, we teach people the physical, and it keeps them from ever coming to the blood, the spiritual. Same thing. We go, oh, I'm doing the work of God. No, you're trying to keep people twice the sons of hell. The same way the Pharisees and Sadducees did. It's a spiritual life. Nobody's going to be perfect. I know you look at me and you go, that dude's messed up. Of course I am. So are you. It's just the truth. Someone has said, if I knew what you were thinking during the week, I wouldn't want you in my church. Listen, if you knew what I thought during the week, you wouldn't want me preaching to you. We're all the same. But the devil wants us to think that we're unique. And that's for you, Greg, and that's for you, but that's not for me. No, the blood of Jesus was for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. The devil's trying to deceive everyone. We're in this all together, no matter whether you want to be in it or not. So what does he do? He divides and tries to conquer. He starts to say black and white and yellow and green and good and bad and money and no money. And he divides everything up to where it looks like we're all against each other. And he lies to us and says we are. But in fact, we're all here on the same thing, the same journey that our soul either needs to believe Jesus or not because it's going to end in hell if it doesn't. It's that simple. They make it up. The devil's been making it up. He wants to be like God, but if he's like God, he has to surrender to salvation. That's the only way to become like him. He has to obey salvation, and that's not for fallen angels. It's only for you and me. So for us to think that we can come to Jesus and keep living in an evil way and not even be concerned about it is not salvation. It's religion. It's false. It's broken. It has wings that fly away toward heaven, but it ends in hell. It won't get you there. This is what he's talking about. Subject yourself, submit yourself is a military term. Will you find out what rank you are? 
what God has said, because see, he's a God of order. Let's get back to that. It's a courtroom, order in the court. God of order, everything's got a place. He perfectly designed it. And then sin corrupted it, perverted it, begins to destroy it. We were talking about this, me and my son, yesterday. You know, when, when you had Adam and Eve, wasn't Adam and Steve, Adam and Eve, when you had male and female in the beginning, and the family didn't have, there, there was no sin in the world, or closer to sin later, you could actually marry your own sister and brother. You could actually have, uh, raise children with them, and they wouldn't be corrupted. But now when you get 5,000 years down the line, there's mental retardation from stuff like that because that is because the inside, the biology through the corruption of sin is so messed up. And they go, oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not, no. That's not because of sin. That's because there's some brain fluid that's not flowing right. No, it's sin. It's, it's the result of, of offspring breeding offspring that's in sin, that's, that's so far away from sin because we're getting closer to the judgment of all things. So when we have uh, a system that doesn't believe in God, and we've talked about this, we're created a trichotomy, which is three, spirit, soul, and body. The world looks at a dichotomy. The world doesn't believe in the spirit. So all their sciences are based upon a dichotomy, leaving God out. And if you start with a bad hypothesis, guess what you end up with? If you start with a lie, guess what you end up with? I don't have to fill in the blanks. But now when you actually go, wait a minute, here's some more information. Your spirit, soul, and body. And when you were created in the garden, your spirit was first, learning to obey God. Here's Adam. What's that? That's a duck-billed platypus. What's that? Bring that other animal in here. That's a weird-looking thing. That's an orangutan, and he's naming the animals. He's obeying God, right? And then the devil creeps in and says, God didn't really say, and then he disobeys God. And you guys are going, he didn't, did he? Yeah, yeah, Eve did because Adam was not subjecting himself to God and being the head of the house. See, God, man, and I know it, it drives people crazy, but it's in the text next week. Then there's woman because she's the bride of Christ. And it's made to be protected, made to be cherished. It doesn't mean she's less than. She doesn't walk behind. She's there beside as the helpmate. This is what the Bible teaches. It doesn't mean that she's stupid. It doesn't mean that she's weak. It means that God designed her to hupotasso in the place, excuse me, hypotasso in the place that she's supposed to be. It's just like going to your garage and you go, I'm going to mow the grass. You don't go to your garage and get the weed eater to mow the grass. It was not designed to mow grass. You go get the lawnmower. Can you mow the grass with a weed eater? Yep, done it before. I've done it before. But it wasn't designed for that. Everybody is designed, and you have to find out what you're called to do, what you're designed to do according to God's order, not according to man's order. See, because man's orders are needed to sway the wicked one, and the devil for generations has been upsetting that apple cart and trying to mess it up so that everybody's not doing what the Word of God says. And when you don't do what the Word of God says, what do you get? You get moral relativism, and you lose the truth, and then you all end up in a ditch. When the blind lead the blind. You all end up in hell. You're following a system that does nothing to do with God. But you feel good 
because of your own good works, your own piousness, and because you think you're doing what God requires. But God has told you what he requires to to do good, to love mercy, to walk humbly with him. Think I misquoted the verse? Need to memorize it better? Are you walking humbly with him? You know what humbly means? You know what humility is? Moses was the most humble man in the Bible. You mean Moses that struck the rock twice? You mean Moses that had an anger problem? Moses was the most humble man in the Bible. The Bible tells you that. I don't know the verse, but you can find that. He was the most humble, and he messed up one of the types in the Bible. See, the rock that he struck the second time was Jesus. The water was the Holy Spirit. He struck that rock the second time, messed up the entire typology, and yet God said he was the most humble guy. He was disobeying God. God told him to speak to the rock the second time. Just speak to it. You don't have to hit it. You hit it the first time because Christ was only beaten once. Christ only died once. And that rock, that rock, that spiritual rock that the children of Israel went around in circles for 40 years, actually 38, but it was counted 40 because they counted the time they came out of Egypt. They're going around this spiritual rock and they've had sustenance and water. Their sandals didn't wear out the whole time. Even though they were under judgment, the Bible tells us that rock was Christ. Moses messed up that type and he still is called the humblest man in the Bible. See, it's not about your physical actions. It's about your spiritual repentance when you humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, it means you're bowing down to God's will and not your will. Humility is when you meet the Word of God and you go, I always thought you could do this. No, the Word of God says no. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to obey the Word of God. And if I can't do it, I'm going to ask God to help me to obey the Word of God. That's humility. Humility is coming underneath the authority that is in front of you. And when you humble yourself in the sight of God, He will lift you up. He gives grace to the humble, more grace, but He resists the proud. The proud says, the Word of God says that I don't believe that. My grandma told me that that was messed up. My grandma told me the word of God was written by man. What does God tell you? That's what you better find out. Not what man says. What does God say about his word? That it's perfect. He sealed it to heal the land. That Jesus is the living word. That this is the only way you're going to get to heaven is by believing in the blood of Jesus. But if you believe in the blood of Jesus, which is an atoning sacrifice only because of perfect obedience. God is bringing us back into this life with him, learning that I don't, I'm not going to get penalized for my sin because Jesus already took it. You know, in court, that's called double jeopardy. You guys know that? Every bit of jurisprudence comes out of the Bible. But they ain't going to tell you that. Ain't nobody going to tell you that. Everything originated in Genesis, but they ain't going to tell you that. Every bit of law came from the Bible. Where else would you have even have a thunk to do a system like that? And then it got corrupted by the devil who wants to be like God. So he's creating a whole system that looks like it's godly, but it really has a form of godliness, but it denies the power of the blood. Much of the church lives that way. I know. So subject yourself. Who, who, are, who are you under? Where's your place? Oh, there's a church on every corner. 
Yeah, oh, here's, here's another good one. Let me just tell you about this uh, uh, systemic racism again. Let me tell you about that again. I know it's a big subject. It's not systemic racism. It's systemic sin. And what are you saying, Greg? Well, it started in the garden. God created the first marriage, man and woman, and he said, procreate, go populate the earth. And you know what happened? The devil rushed in, he attacked marriage, and then he started attacking family. And you don't have, you don't have systemic racism, you have systemic sin because the family unit has been destroyed. And now when the family unit of the man being the head, hearing from God and teaching the wife and the wife submitting to the man and the children being trained in the way that they're supposed to go, which is a complete picture of the kingdom of God, when that's not there, you really think that things are going to be good? No, we've got this messed up picture of what family looks like. But God has restored all that in the spirit with the blood of Jesus. I'm Again, the disclaimer. Not saying that there's not people that are stupid or ignorant or bigoted. Not saying that there hasn't been laws or things that actually completely subjected and made people slaves. I'm not saying none of that. But that was all because of sin too because the Bible never gave them permission to do that. So therefore, they were rejecting the word of God and that's sin. Anytime you reject the word of God, it's sin. So it's systemic sin. But the world wants to put it on somebody else so they can find somebody to blame. Remember the garden? Adam said, hey, God, it's that woman you gave me. And Eve said, it's the devil. But it was really their own choice. Man makes choices. Government makes choices. And that is from sin. Because that government is supposed to be underneath the government of God, following the word of God. And as it gets handed down, it gets worse. It gets more blurry. It gets more ugly. And it causes more death and more destruction. To what? To the families, to the people, to the hearts. The devil gets the next generation before it's even born because that generation won't be a chain breaker and learn the truth and stop following the lies. And it just keeps getting handed down and handed down and handed down. And then the devil keeps pitting people against people and against people and against people. So that physical battle's going on when it's really a spiritual battle. Always has been. It's always been an angelic conflict. But we look at the person in front of us who's calling us a name and we blame them when it's really the spiritual mindset behind that person. It's the spiritual ignorance. They don't know. They're unlearned in the spiritual realm. That's why the Christian is called to be different. The Christian is called to understand that truth and not return reviling for reviling. The Christian is called to see that and then dig out the water. A wise man will dig deep in there and try to deal with it in a spiritual realm, not in the physical. Hypotasso, arrange yourself in an orderly manner with people. What is that? If the ground is level at the cross, everybody is subject themselves to everybody. Really? Yeah, if I was loving you and treating you the way that I wanted to be treated as your neighbor, we would all be level at the ground at the cross. We would be able to work together in peace, just like the Trinity does, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all after the same thing. Not, not just in the church, but outside the church, too. If I really realize that in the church, these people are all trying to follow Jesus, outside the church, they don't know, and I want them to know, 
then I would subject myself to them in a sense of spirituality, knowing, well, they said that, but really, I still want them to get saved. And yeah, that hurt, but I still want them to get saved. And yeah, they're wrong, but I still want them to get saved. See, that's the love of God, that he long suffers. He long suffers. He continues to be the same exact God, whether you listen or not. You can shake your fist at him, and he's going, oh, I love you. Don't do that. You're hardening your heart, and you're never going to receive my love. Oh, I love you. Don't do that. And that's the way you and I are supposed to be, because why? Jesus is the example. His example does not save us, but his example, if we're saved, we follow by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're in the Word of God being equipped today. That's why we have to know what we're subject to. God gave, gave, God gave order in the universe he put people in charge of things. He called people to be in places. If I was going to go there, which I'm not now, Romans 13 says there's no earthly government unless God put it there. Now, did God want it to be the way it is? No. He wanted everybody to walk in the garden in perfect harmony. But sin came in, and he knew it was going to come in, so he always had a plan. He was always looking forward to the central theme of the universe. The central theme of all time, the cross. The Old Testament looked forward to it. The New Testament looks back on it. The cross. God was always doing that. He took, he knew that this greater creation that was in rebellion, can even compare it to you and me if we live in the sin nature, we're in rebellion, that he could make a lesser creation and if it would obey him, he would defeat the greater creation. So Jesus became a little lower than the angels, Hebrews chapter 2. He became a man, and he obeyed perfectly and defeated death. Because he went to the cross and offered his blood. He obeyed God perfectly in his plan. Now the same thing happens with you and me. These people are living out there. We used to be like that. Defeated by the devil. They're living a physical life. They're burning buildings down. They're doing all kinds of stuff that is just lawless. Like Jesus said would happen at the end of the age. That lawlessness would abound. But you and I now we are a lesser creation. But we have the spirit in us. We know the truth. We can go be a witness of that. And if they'll receive it and repent. They can come out of the physical life. They can have an inheritance with us in heaven. That's what this is about. The only ministry of the church, salvation of souls. The ministry of reconciliation of souls back to the family of God. Because it's all about a family. And that's why the devil destroyed marriage. That's why the devil destroys family. Because it's all a picture of the kingdom of God. Hupo Tasso. Oh, excuse me, I keep saying that. I keep thinking of hoopamony, where you abide under. Hypo is, is like it, except you voluntarily choose to align yourself in military ranking according to your calling with God. So then when God makes somebody a president, you just automatically, you have to hypotassel yourself under him. You don't have to like his policy. You don't have to believe in what he's saying. But the office is still there, and there's no governing authorities unless God has placed them there. See, God gives people kings after their own heart. He gives them rulers after their own heart. I know that uh, Oswald Chambers made a profound statement. He said, God brings people into your life, listen to this, that treat you the way that you have treated God so that you can be God to them. See, he died. He was long-suffering. He waited on you. Now God will bring people into your life 
that you have to ask God for strength, for power, the Holy Spirit, truth, because I can't take them in my life. But no, he wants you to be long-suffering. He wants you to die to self, give them grace and mercy, and be a witness and ambassador to them and win them to Christ. So he allows you to be. I mean, he, told, he said that the, the, in the Old Testament they were all little gods. He made Aaron a, 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 or Moses a god to Aaron and Aaron God's prophet. Did you guys remember that in there? Because Mo, Moses said, I can't speak well. Don't send me. That's my country voice because I'm from Kentucky. And he said, okay, I'll send Aaron. There's your brother Aaron coming. I'll let him speak. So he, he made Moses God, hearing from God, and he let Aaron be his prophet, giving the word to Pharaoh and them. This is what God does. He wants us, he privileges us. He allows us to be involved in the work that he's doing on the planet to save souls. But what do we do? Listen to me. Listen, this is a good one. Hypotasso. I'll say it eventually. Hypotasso. Means to arrange yourself in military fashion, voluntarily. Listen. If truth be known, most of us don't listen to the government. We're rebellious against it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Oh, no, I obey the government. When's the last time you sped? Just a little bit. See, we only obey what we want to obey. Listen to me. Most of us, we don't obey God. We're rebellious to God. Well, the Bible didn't really mean that. We only obey what we want to obey. How about our bosses at work? Without slandering them. No, no, we even circumvent that. We're rebellious in nature. That sorcery is built in us in the sin nature, and God wants to take it out. So he says, hypotassel yourself underneath and be trained as a child not to rebel against the authorities over you, even when they're wrong. Even when they're wrong, you're supposed to obey them unless whatever they're telling you to do makes you not be able to serve God and worship Him in spirit and truth. We talked about it last week. The American dream, this whole country, founded by God. This whole country, we came over here. Now, I know there's a bunch of Christians who say, you're crazy. They're a bunch of Masons and a bunch of demonic people. No, the original American dream, the original people, John Robinson and them, John Robinson never made it. They were coming to worship God freely without a government telling them they had to do it a specific way. And then once they got here and started doing it, who came in? The devil comes rushing in and he sets up all kinds of designs that have nothing to do with worshiping God. But they pretended it was worshiping God, and they built it right alongside, just like the devil does, the synagogues of Satan. They built it right alongside. Now, after so many years, it begins to take over. Right now, you see a government that's completely taken over with lies because it's actually God's allowed it to happen. God didn't make it happen. God didn't want it to happen. God's sovereign. He could have stopped it, but we're at the end of all things, so he allows it to happen where lies are dominating 
because he gives the people a king after their own heart. We are rebellious without Jesus. But the calling Peter is telling us is, is to learn to stop rebelling. Listen, I don't know if you guys know it, but when you submit to somebody who's head of you, think about it. This is a hard word. This is the hardest word in the Bible. That's why it's the original sin. Listen to me. It's not, well, I've been following my husband real good. I've been following my boss real good. I've been following the government real good. No, you've been doing what you liked about the government. You're following what you like about your boss. You're following what you like about your spouse. You're following what you like about other people. Submitting has nothing to do with liking or emotions. Submission comes in military when you do what you don't want to do. When you're doing what you want to do, that's not submission. That's called having fun, isn't it? Man, it just stinks. My wife wants to buy a new house. It just stinks. My boss wants me to retire and take a pension and do nothing but play golf the rest of my life. Nobody's doing that. But when the boss says, hey, things are going really bad. I need you to take a pay cut and work less hours. Hey, this is ridiculous. I live in America. I'm going to go get a new job. See, that's not submitting. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a decision to make where you can go get a new job. But, but, but you don't, we don't submit to things that we want to do. That's easy. Submission is when you're in the military and it's time to go out and kill the enemy. And you go do it according to plan so that nobody else dies because you're being dumb. Everybody does it in unison as the body of Christ. And see, there's people out there dying. They're going to go to hell. And the body of Christ is being rebellious. They're not trying to work together in the ministry of reconciliation of souls so that all of us look like we serve the same God and there's a spirit leading us. We're all being rebellious. Pastor said he needs some volunteers. I ain't doing it. I ain't giving up my weekend, you bunch of bums. That's called rebellion. And I'm not even trying to get a volunteer. I'm just telling you as a way of talking about it that it's a heart that says, I don't have to do anything. Wait a minute. Do you realize you're not your own? You was bought with the precious blood of Jesus that you don't even own your body right now? You don't own your time. You don't own anything. You're getting ready to have that in the physical realm too, and you're going to like it. Really, I'm serious. They're going to take it all. Oh, you didn't know they already had it? You didn't know you was already in bondage? You didn't know you was in slavery when you get up every morning and you go to work to make money to pay for it? And they still tell you you owe? It ain't yours. They come take it anytime they want. It's called intimate domain. You think you're free, really? You're in bondage. This ain't freedom. This ain't freedom. You can't even say what you want. They'll just cancel you. That's called death culture. See, if I say something that's true, they take it down. It's called death culture because this world is death, but God is life. There's life and that more abundantly in the blood of Christ. We're all in bondage just according to who you want to be in the bondage to. You want to be in bondage to Jesus or you want to be in bondage to the devil? You want to follow lies or you want to follow truth? We're all in bondage. We're all somebody's puppet. I'm going to be a slave voluntarily to righteousness. And I ain't real good at it, but I'm learning to do it better. Every day I'm trying. I'm not who I used to be. You would not have liked who I used to be. You might not like who I am now, but maybe soon, if you give me a little mercy, maybe soon you'll like me. 
But see, it's all about truth. And we live in a rebellious culture that follows lies. And we say, I'm submitting to the government. No, you're not. I didn't even read this, did I? No, I did read it, didn't I? I did the whole text already. See, um, look at Acts 4, 19. I'm just going to give you the quick view because I don't know how come I think that I can prepare so much material and we would be able to get to it and have a good time. Acts, Acts chapter 3 and 4, I don't know if you remember this, chapter 2, the church's birth. Chapter 3, they're still practicing Judaism. They're going to the temple three times a day. And Peter and John go to the temple, and they're at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, the one that Solomon made. There's a guy begging alms. He's been crippled since birth, and he's shaking this can. He's wanting them to give him something. And, and, and he's just holding his can. He's been there for like 40 years, and people had to bring him there and set him there. And think about this for a minute. Jesus walked right by him and didn't heal him for three years. Anyway, Peter says, look at me. And he did it real mean like that. He kicked him a couple of times. No, I'm teasing. He says, look at me. Because the man was just wanting money, but he didn't even want to look at the person he was asking from. Is my assumption. And he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the man leaps up. And he's on his feet leaping about. And he's healed. Listen, this is what you and I need. Not silver and gold. We need to be walking on our spiritual legs, hanging on to other people who had given us the truth, but yet you know what the devil does? He divides the body of Christ. We don't even hang on. We run to another church. We take off and we do what we want to do, and we're rebellious because the pastor stepped on my toes. I was aiming at your heart because it's your heart that matters most. So what happens? They're bouncing around. This guy is healed. You know, there's, a, there's an, uh, an old... Uh, I'll call it a story because it's probably not a testimony of an ancient saint that was moving around in the temple and he opened the door and he went, oh, and there was, there was a bishop counting money. He's counting all the silver and the gold. And as he, the saint turned to close the door, the bishop said, never again will the church say silver and gold I have not. And as he pulled the door shut, he said, never again will the church say rise and walk. See, because if your eyes are on the physical, you're not going to have the faith to tell somebody the truth and tell them to get up and walk, to live a spiritual life. So they get arrested for healing this man. No, they didn't. They got arrested for preaching Jesus. Not for healing him, because they are blaming the ruling authorities for crucifying the Lord of glory. That's Acts chapter 2. They got arrested and they got threatened. They were in jail overnight. And when they brought him out the next day to put him on trial, they said, this guy's not educated. These people, only thing we know that they did was they hung out with Jesus. And a notable miracle has happened because this man sat in our temple for 40 years. We can't do nothing but threaten him, so don't preach in Jesus' name no more. What's my point? Peter said to him, whether we are to obey you or God, you decide. But we cannot but preach the name of Jesus because that's what we're called to do by God. So my point here is this. 
We are to obey, submit under to one another. We're to submit to governments, whether the king's supreme or to whether his rulers and workers that he sends, which would be your other government down state and city and, and whoever they hire as their designee. We are to obey them because of our witness, because we're ambassadors. We're not under their laws. I've been set free from that. I can do anything. I've been set at liberty. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm in a citizen of heaven. But to be a good witness, I obey that. I want to look to obey that so that people have nothing. It says that it silenced the, the attacks. The word is muzzle. puts a muzzle on their mouth. There's nothing they can say against you when you are obeying. And generally, listen, generally the government is there to protect you. The police is there. That, in fact, that's the only thing they're supposed to do. But what do they do? They keep taking and taking and taking until they become the royalty. But we know, we know that's a lie. They're only supposed to protect you. That's what our Constitution says. And I could give you an entire dissertation about our constitutional republic that is built and modeled after the Bible. And after gov our government is even a triune government with the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. It's all set up the same way the Bible is and the way God is purposefully. But when man takes it and it's broken and it's perverted and we have the judicial that begins to make laws when they're not supposed to, they're supposed to interpret the Constitution and interpret precedents, other laws. The legislative is the one who takes their voted into office and they represent the people and do what the people want that they call morality, that they call right. They're supposed to make those laws and vote on them. That's what we have. That's the system we have. That's the system we've been blessed with. And then the executive is supposed to execute what they said is to be done. That's what the president and his cabinet does. But what have we done now in America? You know that Roe versus Wade has stood for how many years? How many millions of babies have we killed? Roe versus Wade, abortion is not legal in America because there's never been a law. So according to our own constitution that was written, there's never been a law, but the judicial hijacked it and makes it seem like there's actually a law for abortion. There's never been a law enacted for uh, homosexual marriage. The legislation, now, now listen, the legislative has made some, some laws that govern when you can abort and, and kind of guideline that, but there's never been a real law. There's only been a court precedence, which has nothing to do with it. It was a bad precedent. They were never supposed to make a law. The judicial interprets they don't make. They did the same thing. That's what you do. You take the court and you legislate the wrong way. You try to dominate. That's why there's so much battle over the Supreme Court. That's why they're getting ready to stack it so that they can come back and interpret the wrong way against the Constitution. The same thing's going on in the spiritual realm with the churches that are apostate. They take the Bible. They make it fit the way they want to fit it. They stack it. They get 10 pastors that'll say one thing, which is wrong. And then the people believe it and they're deceived. And they stay rebellious because their flesh wants to follow that bad interpretation anyway. And they keep following the bad teaching. Listen, you're not going to be able to tell God at the throne room, I was listening to Greg and he said and it was wrong. No, 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 no. It's personal. It's up to you. 
You have a book, 66 books, 40 authors. It has all the truth in it. It's up to you. You can't blame me. You're not going to be able to say the devil made me do it, Greg made me do it. Because God's given you a personal invitation to come to him and, and, and to hypotasso and to, and to orderly rank yourself under him and say, you're God, I'm not. You're right, I'm not. I missed the mark. I repent. I believe in your son Jesus. I want to follow. You cannot blame somebody else. It's self-deception when you choose to disobey. It's you making a choice. He made you a free will agent. You can choose to follow the government of this world, even when they tell you things that are against God. Or you can always choose what God wanted in the first place. That is a theocracy, that he would always rule and reign. But you have to respect people anyway. You have to honor them as a witness. You have to honor them as an ambassador. But when they tell me to do stuff that is bad for me and evil for me, when they tell me to do things that is trying to control me and, and, and take over my life and dominate me, I can say, no, no, thank you. Have a nice day. I'm going to follow God. Because God set me free to follow him. I am walking in the spirit, being led by the spirit. The word of God dictates my life, not earthly government. But because the word of God tells me to obey earthly government, I will until they tell me to do something I feel like infringes upon my ability to worship God in spirit and truth. They didn't give me that, and they can't take it away from me. God gave it to me. I don't care what they say and what law they make. I'm going to worship God. But that means I have to respect others. See, that's what he says here at the end of this text. See, a lot of people will go, well, I don't have to pay taxes, and they use that cloak of their liberty in Christ to be evil. See, God says honor the earthly ordinances. We're supposed to pay taxes because they're supposed to protect us with that, but they're using them now to do evil stuff. And so somebody will go, well, if you take this scripture and that scripture and the other scripture, and then you do this, then you don't have to pay taxes. Well, anytime you disobey an earthly ordinance, listen to me, even if you're obeying God, even if it's the perfect thing in the spiritual realm to do, it does not take away the physical punishment of reaping what you sow. There are great men of God in prisons right now. There were great men of God killed for obeying God, but they got their heavenly reward. You choose to obey God. It could concern death. It could be punishment. You could be beaten. You could be imprisoned. And think about it. Jesus obeyed God, and they killed him. Do we think that we will escape obeying God and it not be against what they want to do? The devil does not want you to be a witness for God. The devil does not want you to obey God. He wants you to think you're obeying God, but you're still rebellious, rebellious and you will not come underneath any authority because you're your own authority. That's the book of Judges, by the way. No king in the land. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Original moral relativism. It's not new. The devil's been doing it since the beginning. But now it's in the church in our perilous times. Don't use it as a cloak to be evil. Just be a good ambassador. Be a witness. And then we'll close, verse 17. Honor all. Now, people's not in there. Notice it's in italics. It's been written there for translation. The Bible just says honor all. Esteem all. Listen, it just says honor all. That means everybody on the planet, 
And then it says love the brotherhood. That means those in the same fraternity as you. The kingdom of God, the church, those who believe in the blood of Jesus. Love them. Give them mercy. Overlook their transgressions. Help them to grow. That's what God's doing. And if we want to follow that cornerstone, that plumb line, that example, that's what we should do. And he says, fear God. Notice it's before honor the king. Fear God. Solomon, the preacher, when he finished, he said, in chapter 12, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Obey. Christ has set us free in this life from the punishment of sin, the penalty of sin, so that we could learn to obey God without this big guilt and shame and punishment. It can be in love. We can learn to obey as we run this race in love. There's nothing held over us because he's already taken it. But if we really believe that he saved us and took it and gave us an inheritance, we will desire to stop being rebellious and practicing witchcraft and sorcery and learn to obey the will of God for the glory of God for such a time as this. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's a perfect instruction in righteousness. And Lord, we know that many have desired to mess it up. They try to mess it up. Maybe even in my words, I mess it up. But Lord, we know that you've given us grace and more grace so that we can come to you and run this race to win. Lord, teach us to spend time with you, to honor you, to fear you, to pursue you. But most of all, Lord, help us to be the ambassadors that you've called us to be and to lift up the name of Jesus. If he be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. We don't have to do that. We know you will do it. So we lift up his name today, and we just give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?